up, everybody? We had a little bit of technical difficulty, but... Uh, Still ongoing. <laughs> Mike will be back in one second. Uh, we, we're going to have some video because he show off... Hello? There he is. There he is. Hey, there he is. There we go. All now right. it's working. Yeah, um, don't touch it. Too. Nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. All right. We, uh... Okay, we're all good. All right, everybody, welcome to a, I guess this would be a special edition of NPR Live. Saturday edition. Saturday afternoon coming at you. Uh, We wanted to make sure that uh, for having Mike for round two, Mike's monitors is back. Uh, We are going to be talking Aki's. We're going to be talking uh, Kim's. All kind of little rock dwarf monitors. It's going to be awesome. You know, I have the dwarf monitor bug. So uh, this is going to be little, excellent for me. <laughs> a little bit, bit yeah. a little bit of the dwarf monitor, but a small amount. Yeah, a little bit. But, uh, dude, first, I got to give the guess. If you didn't catch the first episode with Mike that we did, I don't know, a couple months ago or whatever, you should go back and check. What are that you out. doing here? Yeah. Yeah. But um, he's dude is on fire man he is crazy uh, he's just producing monitors like nuts he's got crazy enclosures yeah, he's got these monitors that i could only dream i didn't even know I, dude when we came back from australia and we saw the mertens mm. and then like finding mike and seeing that he actually had them and the setup that he has and oh dude it's uh oh my god i hope uh when uh, Monitor Fest comes around, if that's still happening, uh, we get a chance to see them in person because holy shit! Hey, I do. I I've seen, um, I've seen worse enclosures at zoos compared to like <laughs> what Mike's got going on. Like yeah. he's got awesome he's stuff. got like the big thing for the for the Mertens, and then he's got the underwater viewing thing. And he told us how much of a pain in the balls that was to set up, but it got it working. <laughs> so that's yeah. just awesome. So, uh, yeah. Welcome back, Mike. How you doing? Glad to have I'm you back. I'm doing good. Yeah. Thank you for having me again, guys. I really appreciate it. I like to get the word out for, you know, I mean, this is great because you guys got such a huge platform, uh, with the, you know, in the snake world and, you know, and like what happened to Eric there, you know, when you get bit by that monitor bug, it's all, over. I personally believe it's all over uh, oh. to some degree or another, you're going to wind up having a monitor or more monitors that's just the way it is with them they're great animals yeah man you know i think i think so i've all so i wanted to approach this episode from the standpoint of snake people interested in monitors but intimidated for by them maybe we'll talk about some of the misconceptions about them you know some of the some of the things that uh you know people just don't uh, understand about monitors because they're so different to keep it snakes. You know, like if we're keeping a carpet Python, we're not thinking about 140 degree to 150 degree basking spot and all these things that are just so foreign to snake people. But let me tell you to Mike's point, once you start dabbling in monitors and especially since we can have like these little versions of these, you know, you know, I mean, I don't know. When I was a kid, dinosaurs were where it's at. This is like a little tiny dinosaur in, your, in a cage. Exactly. You know? <laughs> True. True um, that. And uh, it, they're, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay snakes because I do love snakes, you know, but there's just a level of intelligence that's maybe a couple notches up with these guys that you just can watch. I could watch them for hours, man. I, well, I, just, I mean, 
I, you know, I have a snake background too. That's where it's, that seems that's where it starts with most people. But, um, you know, after a while of having like North American desert rat snakes was kind of the niche I was in. Right. And they're unlike like boas and pythons that, um, like you say, there's an intelligence. Well, when they're awake and alert and they're like looking for a, a you know, a humid spot or food, then you can see their intelligence. But when they're turned off and they're in a hide box or they're, you know, in their hiding area, when they're turned off, they're just, uh, you know, there's like nothing going on in their head with monitors and certain snake species like, um, you know, uh, high, high metabolism snakes like um, dry Marcon or Thamnophis right. garter snakes, these North American desert rat snakes. They're for some reason, they're, they're, brain is like always clicked on and that's why i liked the north american desert rat snakes i like dry marcon and i like thamnophis you know garter snakes racers because you know when they are shut off it's for a very short time and then they're you know active looking for food looking for a nice place they're just a little more active so uh like boas and pythons when they're satisfied they're pretty much turned off you know so And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just monitors are just never turned off. They're yeah. always on. <laughs> yeah, and, that's and, true. And not only are they on, but they're on like the tens, man. They're they're, you know, they're they're looking for somewhere to go. They're looking for something to eat. They're looking for a female. They're just always on. It's it's so cool. Yeah, man. A hundred percent. Um, so. I guess we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk about the I hope I say this right Odatria complex. Did I say that? Yes, correct? yes, okay. absolutely. Right. So what does that what does that mean? What 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 are we talking about when we talk about that? Um, Odatrias are um, uh, dwarf species of monitors. So you know, I mean, you got your Komodo dragons and you got your Mertens. You got you know Flavy sand monitors. You got all kinds of stuff. These are all Odatria would cover all the dwarf Australian complex. Gotcha. Okay. So, so we're talking. Know, I have, yeah. Go on. Gilanai, Kingorum, Ackies, Kimberly Rocks. Um, yep. I know I'm missing a bunch of Glebo Palma. The, the list yeah. goes on and on. Uh, there's, I, I, off the top of my head, I, I can't recall how many of the Audatrias there are, but there's quite a few. You got okay. Cotyliniatus, Brevacata. There's, there's a lots of them. Right. Cool. Um, Okay, so I think so when when we talk about the first question that I sort of had, right? And this is this is coming from my snake brain or my Morelia brain, right? Is there different types of ackies? Because when we were in Australia, we went to Croc Cove and we saw <laughs> different all these colors. different colors <laughs> and like I, you know, is this sort of like uh, the, you know, is this like a taxonomy debated thing or like what what do we have available in the states? I know there's red ackies and yellow ackies. Does that mean anything? Is that? Yeah. I mean, uh, there are locale differences and um, not only locale differences, but I mean, there might be the red ackies and the yellow ackies from within the same area. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when it comes to that, uh, the locality differences and stuff. I'm not real well versed in them. I've never been to Australia and like just hearing your guys' stories from being there and knowing somebody said to you, Oh, this is a red Aki. You're like, that's yellow. That's not red at all, but it's just, 
you know, it, it, it varies so much in the wild and the limited gene pool that we have right. um, in captivity just reflects on what was originally brought in or mm-hmm. continued to thrive in captivity. But yeah, they're, in the wild, there's ackies that would literally blow your mind and you'd say, that don't even look like an ackie. But, uh, you know, we're not privileged for that here. Right, right. And right. I kind of imagine it's the same thing of what goes on with Morelia. What's here is what's here. And we've Absolutely. just kind of line bred it almost to get the reds and the yellows that we got. And uh, I remember with Eric standing at the Crocosaurus Cove, I'm like, there's a blue one. I've never heard of a blue one. What the <laughs> yeah. hell is this? Like, why? what are we missing here? So, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, just to know what the diversity of nature is and, and, and then to think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally grateful for what we have, but man, you're always, you know, it's it's like a kid in a candy store. You're like, wait a minute, man, that popsicle looks better. You know, <laughs> you always want the one. You always want the yeah. shit you can't have. It's over yeah, there. there like, you I'll go. take it. Yeah. Yep. There you go. <laughs> so, is there? Uh, you know, I I I have a red ackies. Uh, I think they come from. Um, the guys that go sim container um from oh, yeah. uh, i got yeah. it through mike i'm assuming that's where he got them from but yeah i i guess i, I just yeah, found out about yours um the ackies that you got and you know we we have talked in the past about all kinds of stuff but um we didn't really touch base on the ackies that you have mm. and the ackies that you have man dude you you got you started off at the top so those <laughs> those pineapples are amazing amazing animals oh, all right fair uh, enough pineapples, <laughs> is that is that the uh the um the, the that's, endearing that's, term yeah it's that's the coin term which <laughs> I, like I yeah i i you're talking to the wrong guy i don't go for that um i mean it is what it is it kind of helps to separate them from like a, a regular red ackee or gotcha. yellow ackees you right. know but um these, um, you know, all these coined names, I, I, I'm not the guy. Okay. I, right. <laughs> I stick with Latin names and, you know, it's a really beautiful example. Um, right. but you know, when I hear about candy cane, pinstripe, Oreo cookie, mumbo jumbo, and then you, you and then you look at the animal, it's like, wait a minute, man, it's a ball Python. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I watch some of these videos where someone will, cut an egg open and say, no, oh, that's a strawberry vanilla cream pie to Oreo cookie. <laughs> Thank you. Gold. Thank you. It's like, it's and I'm like, wow, man, that guy's good. He can see all that, but I just don't see it. But I'm like, I say, I'm not a, I'm not a real snake guy. So I, I'm not, yeah. here, but all I got is snakes. But, right. yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, the only reason I bring it up, it doesn't really matter. I mean, to me, I didn't think about it when I bought my Ackies. It was just like, here they were, they were Ackies. I got them, you know, I got them from somebody that's, you know, some, somebody that breeds, nice animals and has a reputation mm-hmm. blah 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 which is what i would say right if you want nice stuff you go to the people that produce nice stuff that's right that's, that's, that's what thing. it is yeah but yeah. us snake guys man we're 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 ah, we're kind of weird when it comes to this kind of crazy shit so let's let's okay we don't need to talk about that anymore right. but uh, <laughs> I, I think could, I get you guys in trouble with your snake people when I'm on, but I don't I mean get, it. I get us in trouble. I get us <laughs> in trouble just by saying things. It's fine. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, it, the one thing that um, I, I, I talk about this a bunch is that, like, once you start, like, expanding uh, what you sort of, even if you just look at other stuff, right, you realize <clears> that there's <throat> so many different 
sectors of the reptile hobby that like it, it's like open up this whole new world you're like wait there's wait there's people that keep these there you know these dwarf monitors or there's people that keep water monitors or you know and you you meet this whole new group of people that are just as passionate about you know whether it's us with carpet pythons or you guys with Absolutely. monitors or whatever it is mm-hmm. it's just it's, it's it's pretty awesome you know yep definitely it's um, good to plug yourself into these other kinds of things because it's it's cool to make friends with other various reptile people because this way you don't feel like you're kind of off over here and alone and uh, exactly you care about what happens with their animals like if i if there's something was coming down the road in pennsylvania saying that they were going to take away insert monitor here i would be probably upset about it and fight more to keep it because i have friends that keep monitors and i don't want them to lose their animals where right somebody who just kept like say a certain type of snake might not really kind of care because it's not theirs so, right well yeah. you got to understand that too when they come for one mm-hmm. that's you know that's just the tip of the iceberg they they never stop they come yeah. for everything so yeah every everything is in jeopardy in these days you know believe it or not as sad as that sounds um it's true yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't know how to unfold these questions or whatever, but I'm sort of probably going to ask you like a couple and then you can kind of go, go with it as you will. But, um, okay. you know, like if you're, if you're, if you're getting an Aki or you get any Kimberly or, you know, you're getting any kind of uh, dwarf monitor or whatever, like, what are some of the things like, first of all, what are some of the like big misconceptions about them that, you know, if you were to to tell them like, no, that's not true. You know, this one's delicate. That one does this, whatever. What, what are, what are some of those? Like the pitfalls. Things? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, this is a great subject. I'm glad you hit on it because um, over the last, I don't know, year and a half or so um, I just started working with uh, Datria species and uh, you know, I'm used to whatever, all kinds of Indonesian wild caughts, which are very tricky and, and um, uh, delicate with, you know, their parasite loads until you get mm-hmm. them established. But once they're established, you know, they're rock stars, they're hardy. So I had bred the Mertens and, you know, a lot of people were interested and some people are friends for years and years. And, you know, I, you know how it is in the trade, in, in this industry, it's, you know, people don't want to come up with money. So we do a little swipping and swapping and, and, yeah. I got into some Audatrias and I got some really good, nice animals and groups. And, and of course, when I got my Kimberly rocks, I got these things and they were literally, they're tiny and flat and I lost one. So I, I had to take it from this enclosure that I built for raise up, you know, larger species. Uh, but this little guy, he got his head through a tiny little crack and he was gone. So I took the other two, I put them in, uh, now I'm panicking. I'm all these, yeah. you know, horror stories of how Kimberly rocks are so delicate and fragile. Well, he, he wasn't too fragile cause he made his way out of the box. No problem. <laughs> so I started thinking, you know, eh, I'm going to do things. I'm not going to, I tried to put all that negativity out of my head. And I said, you know, I'm going to set these up the way I would. And I'm just going to go from there. So that's what I did. And in doing so, Man, I, I've found the complete opposite to be true with um, Kimberly rocks and mm. basically all the uh, Audatria monitors. My Kimberly rocks started out again, like I say, tiny, like figure, you know, a young anole, even smaller and flat. 
So I put them oh, in wow. an exo. Wow. Yeah, they're tiny. Small. I mean, Eric, when you see these things, you are going to freak, but that you can't get that out of your mind. They're strong, hardy animals. And as right. long as you do them right, they'll do you right. And it's, yeah. it's that simple. You support them well, and they know what they're doing. They're right. not weak and fragile. You provide for them what they need and what they require. And man, they're just, they're, they're rock stars, man. They're, they're strong and aggressive. Um, but, uh, so I set them up in a, in a, a tall, small exoterra, very simple setup, uh, small little thermal gradient. Uh, the ones that I raised, I used a cork tube that went from side to side, maybe six, eight inches from the top of the basking light. And mm. now, uh, the, the cork howl that I put in there, I, I cut in um, two one-inch holes, so I mean it doesn't. There, it doesn't take much for them to feel secure. So in the, in the setup that I have yours in, Eric, there okay. you go. That one right there. Now that that piece of bark acts as a thermal gradient. Um, it's you know a hundred plus degrees near the top of that, and it goes down to eighty-two degrees with all different uh, temperatures in between. Now mm. these monitors, they're so small they could get in the cracks of that bark and with that little, that little, um, that plant that's hanging over the top of the cork bark, they think they're hidden behind it. I could see them as plain as day. You'll, you'll see them plain <laughs> mm-hmm. as day, but that's right. just enough cover for them to make them feel secure. <clears throat> and in doing that, they could pick their thermal gradient wherever they want up and down that piece of bark. Usually after a feed, they're up at the top in the morning, they're up at the top towards the afternoon or if they're full they're down in the dark hide so it's and they're not they're not fragile just get that out of your head and as long as you do them simple like this i found it to be the complete opposite they're hardy and um after you know i i keep pinhead crickets in there and small roaches at all times for them but in it to supplement them and to get them to really get growing to support their uh, skeletal growth, I give them pinky parts, the guts, legs, arms, tails, the snoot, parts of the, I I, I, I don't want to be graphic, but we're reptile Man, go people. Ahead. Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I chop these up and I give them like the, um, uh, the brain, right. uh, the, 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 the soft skull of the brain for lots of calcium. And then I, of course I, I dust everything. everything. Okay. <clears throat> and <clears throat> you got to understand they're growing so fast because, you know, their goal at this size is to get out of that predator stage and become a predator. Right. So if you support their skeletal growth with, um, you know, calcium and vitamin supplements and you give them bone and, and gut and, you know, rib cage and all the different, basically it's a whole prey, but it's minced. It's chopped up. Mm-hmm. And right. I'll show you that here in a little bit. I'll feed Eric's for him so he can see to get that scary stuff out of your brain, man. These are animals. <laughs> they know what they're doing. As long as you support them, they're the pros. Right. As long as you support them uh, well, they know what they're doing. Give them what they need and they will do the rest. I guarantee it. Yeah, I, I did like that picture because the longer I stared at it, the more baby monitors I was able to pick out. Like I saw the yeah. top, I'm like, oh, there's another one there. 
And there's yeah, another yeah. one there, and it's like, and I'm yeah. sure that Mike can just look at it and see all of them immediately. But well, sometimes it takes. I mean, it's it's easy for me, but it, it, they're good at what they do. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. So Keith Keith McPeak sent me a couple questions that I'm gonna pepper in as we chatted, and you were talking about feeding. So the first thing I was gonna say is that you sort of said that you put the pinhead crickets in there. Um, is there anything that you should have to worry about as far as like, cause one of his questions were, you know, first food for neonates, um, because newbie people don't realize, you know, how savage crickets can be, uh, on dwarf monitors. So is there anything that you have to look out for as far as that? Well, I'll, to be perfectly honest with you, if your conditions are right, right, this is, this is what they do. If they're mm-hmm. nice and fired up and warm, there right. ain't no cricket going to bother them. Now, mind you, these got to be appropriate size crickets because, yes, right. an, an adult cricket is a savage. I mean, and they will eat meat. And if, you're, if your animals aren't warm enough and if they're lethargic, you know, the cricket's going to get a better of them. But I can guarantee you the way I got these guys set up, ain't no cricket getting my Kimberly Rocks. My, my Kimberly Rocks – are cricket assassins, um, you know, even tiny little King Gorums that hatch out of these eggs. They're so small. You know, I give them a day out of the egg, a day in the incubator with a little bit of water on the bottom so they could, uh, you know, um, hydrate because mm-hmm. when they hatch, they get very dehydrated. So the first thing they really look for is water. So that's a great way to, you know, if you put them in the incubator with just a tiny little, you know, it's not like they're waiting in the water. It's mm-hmm. just a tiny little bit of water in there where they can go and, and drink. And that's usually what they do after they hatch is they, and I don't know if a lot of people know that, but I have uh, videos of um, like coming eye monitors just hatching. And then I put them in this little uh, water setup, of course, with the um, water monitors, they get a little bit more water. Right. But first thing they do is they put their nose down in a little corner and they just start drinking and drinking and drinking. So, right. you know, um, but it's like I said, if, if they're fired up and they're in good health, there ain't no crickets going to hassle them. Right on. All right. Okay. And then uh, sort of the other thing he, he said was, you know, dusting the food. Do you gut load those crickets? Um, you know, are you dusting every feeding or do you have some kind of on yeah. off? Or- yeah. Well, all of my um, feeder prey items, be it roaches, crickets, grasshoppers, whatever the case may be. Yeah. They're, they're fed. You know, I take care of my insects as well as I take care of my monitors, because of course, you know, you are what you eat. So you want them, you don't want them having, you know, crickets that been in a box chewing on that rotten potato in there. I I don't even feed them overnight. I throw all that rotten potato away. I put apples, oranges, and like bran flake in there. I mean, you know, like, like the, the, the kind you get at a health food store, not like brand, right. you know, cereal stuff. Wheaties, right. we're not chucking Wheaties or no, we're not, in there. All right, good, we're okay. not, we're not, but it's still better than a potato, if you ask probably, me. Yeah. Right. Okay. But uh, I, I give them that, you know, uh, probably maybe 12. By the time my wife gets home with my crickets, it's probably about 12 hours in the morning when I get back down there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the oranges have been, you know, heavily hit the apples are heavily hit and the you know the the brand meal you could see that they've been eating it so uh of course and then i give them water crystals so they're hydrated they're gut loaded 
And the next morning they go in and they're, they're walking vitamins for all my animals. Um, right. And then, and then as far as uh, the chopped whole prey items, be it pinkies or um, quail uh-huh. uh, that, that gets dusted every time for these young growers, mm-hmm. the, the young up and comings, they get dusted every day to support their skeletal growth. And gravid females, I use a lot of vitamin supplements on. Okay. Now, now, do you use like calcium and D3 or just calcium or what, what do you? What? I, I use mineral for indoor. So that's got the okay. D3 in it. Okay. And then uh, again, uh, another subject, but for um, uh, gravid females, I once a week, I dose up uh, with a syringe. I inject the prey item, whatever it may be okay. with um, glue glucosa something i don't know i got it from the vet so okay it's just okay. it's good calcium support for egg laying females does that That's really good. make make a difference as far as like uh, a good calcifying clutch? the eggs yeah yeah i i i've never done without so i couldn't well, tell you how <laughs> it would go without but the, you know they're strong animals and uh it's just always a little boost you know because mm-hmm. who knows what we're not giving them from in the wild you know do you stop dusting when the animals are big enough to take whole prey items themselves? Like, is that when you kind of cut like for the uh, boys? I know you said the girls, you still dust, but yeah, insects, I dust every feeding, um, mm. any of the vertebral prey, like, um, pinkies or quails or fish. I, I do light dustings, but mm. pretty much every time. Okay. And uh, yeah. is it glucosamine? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, thank you, Teresa. Yeah, (laughs) mean It's it's. I mean, I think you can even get it at um like tractor supply for like cattle or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. I think you probably could. So, um, I you know I I was uh, I was kind of looking up sort of like some of the natural history of um Kimberly rocks and stuff, and uh, surprisingly, they eat a lot of geckos. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and skinks. You You know. Yeah, yeah, well, you figure, you know, you, I always try to look at any animal. I look at the morphology of the animal, mm-hmm. and, and I'll say, like, when I look at an eye eye, I'm like, why has he got that really long, skinny finger? Mm-hmm. Well, he's pulling grubs out of, you know, logs and stuff. So when you look at a Kimberly rock, which is, you know, maybe Glebo Palma is flat like that as well. But when you no. when you look at <laughs> you know so the, cool. the morphology and the body structure of such an animal, you got to ask yourself, you know, why is this animal this way? And of course, like you said, they got to scare out little geckos and skinks from in tiny little um, crevices. So you know you ain't going to do that with a big bulldog head. You got to right. do that with a, <laughs> with a flat, narrow head. So right. You know, there's all kinds of reasons for their morphology, and that's definitely why Kimberly rocks are flat. Yeah, yeah, these oh, that's, that, that's some of their prey items right there. That yeah, I, that yeah things you'd up. imagine would cram themselves into the in between the smallest little rock crevice and stuff like that. So that's <laughs> that's awesome. So and they, yeah, I was gonna oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say for all of their adaptations, they still aren't getting away from a, a Kimberly rock. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> How cool would that be to see in the wild, by the way, you know, just Man. sitting there in the Kimberly in Australia and just see this Kimberly rock monitor chasing a gecko around a trying thing. to yeah, that stick was... that like long neck head into the you know, thing. Well, it's funny that you say that um, uh, Dave Kirshner, he's a Australian uh, herpetologist, biologist, <laughs> zoologist, 
And he, out of his back window, he gets to see, you know, all the birds that are in Australia, beautiful birds. And he, he has a, in the gully behind his house, he has um, uh, a colony of uh, sulfur crested cockatoos. And he sees a lot of lace monitors. I saw this video yesterday. <laughs> Did you see that? Yes. Wow. You talk, oh. man, that is, that was epic. I, I talked to Dave and I said, man, that that's an epic video, dude. That, that is, you know, how do you beat that? You just can't unless you you're there. You don't. I yeah. sent that to the guys last night and I got, I, I heard crickets and I was like, what are you guys kidding me? Like, come on, I man. I, I, I didn't see it yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a lace no. monitor kicking cockatoo, cockatoo yes. out of their nest. <laughs> now, you know what? You know, I'm a veranda guy, big time. But yeah. man, something in my heart was like, oh, let that baby go, man. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, here, have, I want to tell him here, have a quail. Who cares? Have a quail. Have as many quails as you want. Leave the yeah, cockatoo alone. The baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one I have to, uh, the, the thing that I took away from that video is the next time that I am in Australia and I'm looking for lace monitors, I'm just going to listen to the cockatoo. Oh. No, the cockatoos <laughs> were screaming, right? Yeah. So no shit. <laughs> as soon as they would make these calls, right, that you, you know that the lace monitor's in the tree. Right. Yep. You know, so it's like, uh, and this guy, it's right off his back porch. He's like, oh, yeah, that's my back not, porch. That's like, just what not the fair. Hell? I look at my back porch as a squirrel out there eating a freaking nut. Like, okay, yeah. what do you do? Like, you exactly. know, I'm not watching National Geographic through my window. Yeah, Come on. man, it's epic. I well, was going to say, know, oh, yeah, go, ahead. Go, no, go on. No, I was going to say that, um, you know, the one thing that I, I, I wanted to maybe put on record is like, is there a certain amount of, of food that like if you're feeding the especially say of a growing monitor you're just feeding it till it stops no i've i feed it yes exactly yeah. i feed okay. them i i i have a two uh two layered approach to feeding my animals mm. um basically for the audatrias i try to always make sure that there's something in there for them be it you know a small amount of crickets or a small amount of roaches because roaches you know they, they're survivors too Um, so I, I keep appropriate sized feed items in there, which I'm not going to leave a mouse crawling around in there. I, I, Mm -hmm. I don't ever, I just don't do that, but I see people doing it. It's, I think it's so stupid, but I leave, uh, prey items in there for them to collect on their own. And then every morning I supplement them with, um, you know, growing animals. I shouldn't say my adults, but, um, for the most part, I'll every day offer them, you know, uh, there's always a prey item in there for them, be it, uh, you know, an insect. And then I'll uh, offer chopped uh, pinky parts or quail, you know, daily. And if they take a couple pieces, great. And, if, you know, nine times out of ten, they eat way more than I even think, you know, right. that they would eat. They just keep going. They're growing, right. you know. Uh, and like I say, I, I don't keep mine my animals at like a, a maintenance type of husbandry. Mm-hmm. I keep my shit on point. They're always fired up. They're, they're always, you know, they're running at top speed at all times. And it's just the way I do it. And, I, you know, again, I just do what I see as successful. So, yeah. you know, if, if there's no reason for me to, turn them off or, or, you know, to lower their metabolism. If I could keep up with them, I'm gonna, and that's what I do. 
Right. Nice. Um, <clears throat> so do you gradually increase the size of the prey and like, then you maybe can go into roaches and stuff as they get bigger or is there, is there a time frame with that or? No, um, it, the time frame and the size is great questions. Uh, yes. As they grow, the prey sizes increase and I don't have to have little pinhead crickets anymore because uh yeah those things just drive me crazy i mean they're i they jump off they're in my chest hair and, and, and <laughs> it's, yeah but so yeah as they grow the crickets get bigger the roaches get bigger the pieces of chopped whole prey items get bigger mm-hmm. until eventually they're taking you know pinkies on their own and stuff like that Okay. Do you, and this was another Keith question. Do you supplement with like old school items like ground Turkey and stuff as they get bigger or do you just strict strict whole prey items? Keith, Keith. Yeah. That's old school. And like, I I don't, I try not to beat up on people and, and, but I got to say something right now. Mm. If, if, if you have monitors and you have to resort to processed foods, ground foods, and you just you're doing it wrong i mean you could you could take a pinky and a pair of scissors and have a ground pinky why you would use uh number one you got to understand ground turkey you think oh yeah i'm gonna have a ground turkey hamburger and trust me i know because i've tried this this is going Mm. way back when you start fingering through ground turkey and you find, you know, a quarter inch of esophagus and a, a tendon or the heel hook of a, of a turkey. It's like, wait a minute, man. You know, you think you're getting breast and leg. You ain't getting none of that. Right. You're, you're, yeah. you're getting tendon, esophagus, beak, comb. Chicken McNugget style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, Old dude. 90s I, I, chicken nuggets, you know. Exactly. On. Yeah. And, you know, the whole argument going back to that whole – and I'm not mentioning any names of uh, the whole ground Turkey diet. It started off in a zoo as a Raptor diet for birds of prey. Mm-hmm. And the argument briefly goes like this. Well, you know, that's great. Birds of prey like it. I don't know anything about birds of prey. I, so I'm not knocking it. I said, but what, you know, what is the benefit of giving this to a high metabolism monitor? And right. the answer was, well, it's equivalent to a, a mouse, the, you know, the bone meal and the centrum vitamin, you got to crush up in there and mm. heat it and make balls out of it. And I'm like, well, wow. I mean, you know what? That's great to know when we hit the mouse shortage, but <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> there, like, there's no mouse shortage. Yeah, Why would never. you give something that's equivalent to a mouse when you could just give it a mouse? And you're also you know, missing a lot of stuff like the gut bacteria, um, gut bacteria, the, hair, the hair I mean, yeah. teeth, all kinds of stuff. stuff is but so that, that that's that's my beef with ground anything. Wow, gotcha. it, there's there's no point because I'm going to tell you something right now. Mm. Feed feed your monitor fish for three days, and you tell me how it is that stool. Now you feed that ground turkey diet for a few days and see how that massive and you're gonna say you know what out the door with this turkey stuff (laughs) because it's greasy it it, Mm. it, their turds are greasy like when you have water shitters like water monitors and mertens and stuff like that 
Right. And they eat that stuff. Not only do you have a mess in your water, but you got this grease slick on the top of the water and you don't get that with whole prey items. So I just never went for that ground anything. Right. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, everybody can do what they want, but I don't know. Well, I don't know, man. Tried it, so you know what, what, what some of the things that might be, you know, the, the two sides of the argument. So, yeah, I mean, obviously your opinion is valued. It looks well, like you're, you're slaying it, man. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. I, mean, I didn't want to say that, but my, my results kind of speak for themselves. Yeah. I'm, I try to be <laughs> humble, but you know, I, I, I just try to be humble. I know God wants me to be humble and I try to be, but then you get into a situation like this where, you know, and I'm not trying to brag because all I do is, support animals they do all this they put eggs in that incubator and i have a literally i have a beverage cooler from the 7-eleven and i just started my third incubator so my incubators are full of eggs i got plenty of hatchlings so you know you can take it or you can leave it it's it's the bottom line i mean i'm not trying to push anybody any way but you know the results i guess you got to just look at the results Right. right it's I do enjoy what you said. Like the animals do all the work. It's like when people like congratulate me for one of the babies I hatched. I'm like, thank you. I locked its parents in the cage together. Like yeah. I didn't do this. <laughs> like I had nothing to do with this. They, right. Yeah. I mean, you I know, just facilitated. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't come from a scientific background. I mean, I've always loved animals my whole life. Um, so can I explain what I'm doing here? Absolutely not. What What I say all the time is. I know what they need, you know, through research and just studying animals my whole life. I support that to the best of my abilities and they are the pros. If you support them proper, mm-hmm. they know what they're doing and they do it. Right. Obviously. So, yeah. so here would be, so a lot of times, like uh, I, I tell people that they should be a student of the serpent, right? And what that means yeah, is basically you just you're paying attention to your animals and you're sort of looking for signs whether they're thriving or if something's going wrong. What would be say like what are we looking for if like uh, you know you have any of the dwarf monitors thriving? Like you're going to see them out, you're going to see them basking, you're going to see all these things, right? Like yep. what? Okay. Yeah, that, that's basically it. I mean, um, what and part of all of that is um, it's it's a little different with captive born animals. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of that fear is not there. Right. I'm sure in time, you know, being raised in a in a, a box that they realize, you know, I haven't seen a predator in, you know, eight months. So they're probably lose a little bit of that skepticism about coming out in the open but you know in the same breath you have two eyes and hands um i call myself the food monkey i mean <laughs> so you you got to become the friendly food monkey and they lose their fear of that now if, if they, when they lose their fear of you know of you as a as a, a threat to them mm-hmm. you know they, they're not afraid to do what they do out in front of you so um like with all this tongue feeding that I do from babies, I mean, it's painstaking people, people see you, you hatching monitors and putting eggs in the egg box. And, you know, they're like, Oh man, what's that guy doing, man? What they don't see is the hours that I stand on a step ladder 
and and literally and and tong feed you know these tiny little monitors tiny little pieces of food that that i mince up and chop myself and um you know that's all painstaking tedious stuff and i I always like to refer to myself as i'm like a like a hammer you know i could fix anything with a hammer and a duct tape and you know my wife and my kids point out to me yeah but dad look at all that delicate stuff that you do with the tweezers and you're feeding them and you're patient. And I guess I don't give myself credit for that or, you know, coming from a concrete finisher background, you know, I I'm not delicate. And I I guess I don't like to be thought of myself as delicate and precise, but there is precision in, in a delicate way here. And um, so, you know, I don't, I don't think of myself in that way, but I, there's a lot of that. And people just don't see that. And they, you know, they see me posting oh, another clutch today's haul and blah, blah. But man, you know, there's a lot that goes into getting to that point. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's really, like I said, it's not any magic. It's not any kind of trick. Just it's hard just, work. Uh, yep. Yeah. And hey, how you doing brother? Different tools for different jobs, you know? Sometimes yeah. the hammer works. Sometimes you got to beat. You can't. can't yeah, you can leave that right there, bro. Right here. Yeah, you can leave it there. I'm sorry, guys. Not yeah, I'm good. doing a podcast. I'll talk to you next time, bro. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> That's my FedEx guy. He's a great dude. Oh, no nice. worries. <laughs> so I got um, it covered by turning the notifications off. But you know what can I do? Uh, FedEx, about that? We can't stop. FedEx, can't do, we can't turn <laughs> off yeah, live notifications. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Plus, who knows? Yeah. We want to make sure that you have a good relationship with the FedEx guy. He brings oh, you shit. That's he right. brings me my <laughs> animals. Yeah. 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 So the FedEx guy. So if you're tong feeding, is there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, what is a, is there it's like, do they immediately take it off the tongs? Is there, you know, you have to do a session and you work something up to where like, maybe they come out when you're there and like slowly build up that trust over time. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's really now this is going back to, um, my experience with, uh, establishing wild caught animals who know, what predators are, who know what birds are, who knows what bad things are, who knows what two eyes and hands mean. That, mm-hmm. That's bad. That's scary for that animal. These captive born animals, they get over that really quick when you realize that they're food driven. So, um, of course, when I first start and people look at me all the time and they're, they, they tell me, yeah, how do you do that? I, I, I like, I use my peripheral vision. Like, like if you take any animal that's not used to human beings and if like, I've done this so many times in the wild, uh, catching any kind of lizard. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was a kid, I used to run around and chase after them like a bull in a China shop, you know, knocking everything over and scaring the crap out of these animals. And they're, they're not dumb. They know how to get away from you and you ain't, you ain't a lizard. You ain't going to get them. Yeah. So as a little kid, I realized um, I had a fishing pole and I wanted to catch a frog. So I took the fishing pole with a little bit of worm on there, put it, it didn't look at the frog. Cause as soon as you look at the frog, he jumps. Mm-hmm. So if you don't look at the frog and you put that in front of him, he eats the worm and boom, you got him. So I said to myself, self, what maybe I could figure out something like this. Cause we used to go to Florida every year when I was a kid, I'm like, I got to figure this out. 
So the curtain, you know, like the, the twist thing on the curtain. Yeah. It's, it's like a fiberglass pole. Mm -hmm. Well, I put a hangman's noose out of fishing line on there, about maybe eight inches long. And I I took this stick and I would see the little anoles on the rocks or a tree branch. And, and I would be looking at them. And as soon as I got, you know, close to where they were uncomfortable and I was looking at them, they'd take off. So what I would do is I would turn sideways and I'd look at them through my peripheral vision, not looking at them. Mm-hmm. And I could get right on top of them. And I put this little hangman's noose around their head. And then I'd look at them and they'd run. They'd hang themselves, take them off of the noose, put them in my little box. And I had pet lizards. So, <laughs> right on. Um, so I learned from a young age that they read your eyes and your head and your hands, of course. Mm-hmm. But if you look directly at them, you're going to spook them. And, and, I'm not saying they're going to run away, but they're, they're honed in on your eyes. Okay. So if you just turn your head to the periphery a little bit, offer them the prey item, the pinky part or whatever, they take it right away. As soon as you look at them, they'll go back around the log until you're not looking at them. Do the same thing. Well, after three or four feedings, like Eric, you'll see when I go down there to feed yours, mm-hmm. they, don't even, they don't even think they, they know me as the food monkey now. Okay. <laughs> so I'm officially the food monkey, and you're going to be the food monkey when Smaller you come to you. Yeah, got it yeah. right. Yeah. I, I, I have to like grow a beard out of you know this okay. little yeah, hump. Yeah. 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 Big beard and yeah, for a little <laughs> help with the transition of you know yeah. the poor little guys. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll get right on you. Uh, like I say, that they've lost their fear of me, which is okay. That's cool. Yeah. But uh, like once once you get them to the point they are now, I, I mean, I'll be, I'm going out on a limb here. They're bulletproof, man. They're once you get them tongue feeding, they're bulletproof. Right. So I guess uh, is this does this apply pretty much across the board for Ackies and say all all of the uh, the dwarfs? Well, your approach. Uh, yeah, Ackies are um, they're a little different. I've yet to hatch out any here yet, so. I, I, you know, I would be right telling a misnomer if I said, you know, but I don't see any problem with it. I've done this for a long enough time where I'm positive my my king gorums, which are literally, I mean, these things are tiny, and right. and they'll do the same thing. It's just a matter of a few times, uh, you know. Of course, you don't want to make any loud noises or quick movements. Cause you don't want to go backwards. You just, as long as you have short, positive interactions with them, right. they're all good. And and what's nice about doing this approach that I do is my adult Kimberly rocks now. And I, when we go, when I go downstairs, I'll show you, I can open the door. They'll crawl right up on my arm. They have absolutely no fear of me. They're, they don't run from me. They're, they're just great animals and it's due to the way you raise them. So uh, right. You know, you take anything away from this is uh, be nice to them, respect them, feed them, you know, in the beginning, don't give eye contact, kind of use your peripheral. Um, mm-hmm. And then once they get over that fear of you and your hands, there's no stopping them. Right. Okay. So what about as far as, um, so we've, we, you know, I'm, I know me and you sort of talked about it. And at first I was going to get one. 
And then you'd sort of talk to me about getting a group and, um, you know, I, you know, for, for multiple reasons, but like, if, if you're going to get into a dwarf monitor, is it best to get a group of them because of them being social or what? Absolutely. Well, this is, this is my take on it. And uh, this goes across the board with, with, um, any of the varanids. Now you got to really be careful, not so much with the Audatria species, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, like I've found that water monitors, two females, they will kill each other. Right. But now there's a, there's a period of time when they can be raised together. I think when it's right around maturity, mm-hmm. they don't like being in the same area with another female for whatever reason. Like I say, I have no science background, but mm. I do know that. So it's, yes, if you started with three of anything, now what you're doing is, um, now, of course, you got to understand, too, in the wilds, like with Mertens and, and coming eyes and water monitors like that, these are real water-adapted animals. So when you think about a baby gator, what is, what is a baby gator? First year of its life, they all hang Ooh. around together. Yeah. They, they, all, you know, they find strength in numbers. Right. You know, uh, if they were all spread out, birds are going to pick them off one at a time. If they're all together, they see the bird coming, they go underwater. Mm-hmm. So I found that with any of the monitor species as hatchlings, you keep them together um, because when they are uh, lone animals and then you got to re you got to try to reintroduce them mm-hmm. to other animals. Well, they're used to being solitary. So they're going to have their gripes and their hangups. And now they've got to impose their will on a different animal where if they were raised together, they just kind of know each other's quirks and, um, you know, things like that. But now back to the Audatrias, um, yeah, it's always been known that, and, and, you know, I guess it works as a good marketing ploy too, but, you know. <laughs> right. and, you need a and, few. And, yeah. And that's yeah. what people, you know, that's what people think. Oh, he's just trying to sell me three. And, and, that, and, and that's not, I'm, I never set anybody up for failure. You want one, I'll sell you one. I don't care. But mm-hmm. if you're eventually going to want to, uh, a, a trio or a group setting, uh, you got to start with a group because uh, generally what will happen is, and again, I don't know if this is scientific or not. This is just like 80% of the time, how it turns out. If you keep three hatchlings together, be it from mm-hmm. the same group or not, one's going to become dominant. Another one's going to become, you know, uh, subordinate. And the other one might want to challenge you know, the, the dominant animal, or he might just, uh, fall back into the submissiveness, which, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, because I don't know when they develop their sexual characteristics, but if you keep three baby Ackies together, or if you keep three baby Kimberly's chances are, you're going to wind up with at least Mm 1.1. A lot of times it's 1.2. That's what happened with me when I raised my Kimberly rocks, Started mm-hmm. off with three hatchlings. You don't know what sex they are. And they turned out to be 1.2. So, you know, there is evidence of it. Whether it's provable, I can't say. But, hey, I'm not knocking it. It works. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I guess the sexing part of it is kind of um, can be tricky, right? Because you can't necessarily sex them. How do you how do you differ it? Like, is it just behaviors or as they grow and they're into adulthood, do you can see characteristics? That well, yeah, them? definitely. As they grow, you know, once they grow and they start to mature, 
Um, you could definitely see the outward signs. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. But there are subtleties when you're raising up babies, like behavior and, um, you know, uh, aggressive towards other uh, cage mates. And it, you could kind of see where it's going. And like from my experience, it usually works out that way. Um, again, with Audatria, now water monitors and stuff like that. It's a little different, but it, I believe it does help to raise a group of them together. And as soon as you see outward signs, by the time you start seeing two being aggressive with each other, you could probably look at them and say, okay, those are two females. I mean, it's just, it works out that way. Um, But yeah, people think it's a sales pitch or whatever, and it works good. But, you know, if you, if you only care about one lone animal, so be it. But to try to, you know, to, if you're, I always ask people, if you plan to breed in the future, you should take a group or a couple and you know that'll help you out in the end because trying to introduce two foreign animals it has its issues right so yeah is that what leads to like you see some you see some monitor i like if i'm looking on fawn or whatever sometimes i'll see monitors and they're missing toes and Mm -hmm. you know all this kind of tail and stuff like that Yeah. yeah well you know that that's a good point to bring up you know a lot of times it is husbandry issues um, mm-hmm. The Adatria species are prone to like bumblefoot or toe mm-hmm. infections if you keep them too humid. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a tough balance too because you want humid soil, but right. you don't want your surf. You want your surface dry, really dry. So and that kind of helps with your substrates. So a mix of sand and uh, organic material works real good because the. Um, you know, over time, the uh, sand will actually work to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then when you get that, you you have a, a layer in between mm-hmm. of the organic material, which holds the moisture. But your surface will generally be dry. And, uh, you know, like you said, Eric, aside from, you know, the, the husbandry issues. Yeah. When you have animals and they're biting at each other's feet and toes and tails, that could be a problem. That's why right. I always say to raise them in groups. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, the, I, I know when I was talking to Rob about, you know, monitors, when I was first getting into it, he said you could have a, a hour long discussion just on the substrate alone. Absolutely. Which, <laughs> yeah. You know, with, uh, um, because to your point, right. You, the, you, uh, you sort of have this, uh, you got to keep humidity, but you need to dry at the same time. And that's, that could be, that could be a struggle. So let's talk about setup. So I guess let's start. If you're getting a, say you're getting a, a group of baby uh, Odatria, yeah, right? Babies. Yeah. Do you start in a small cage and work your way up? Do, can you put them in a big cage? Like what's your recommendations as far as that goes? My recommendation is no, I wouldn't start them off in anything too big. Number one, uh, too big. You can't observe them. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's harder to, you know, and here's a big problem people have if they put them in too large of a setup mm-hmm. now you don't see your animal because they got a lot of hiding spots you know fake plants whatever the case may be and now you're worried wow i haven't seen him in two days now you go into his enclosure and mm-hmm. you destroy it and yeah. now you're no longer the food monkey you're the ripping apart my house yeah exactly right. you're king kong ripping apart tokyo yeah, so yeah. 
you, you, you don't want her in New York, whatever he ripped apart. <laughs> uh, that was Godzilla, I'm thinking. Right. Yeah, but no uh, yeah, so if you put them in a simple setup, and when I say simple setup, I, I here's it's it's like these three criteria you got to meet. You got to have a thermal client, thermal mm-hmm. gradient. You got to have a, a proper substrate, and you got to have hiding areas and water, of course. But the hiding areas, like I said, with that little bit of plant over that cork or that piece of bark. You think that ain't no hiding spot. You don't tell it to him because he's hiding under it and he's getting warm. He's getting fed. He feels secure, but he's still observable. Like um, the cork tubes. I tell people to put across the the enclosure to put the one inch holes in there. Do you think this, this cork bark looks like a piece of Swiss cheese, but they can go on top of it and bask. They can go in it and bask. Mm-hmm. And you can see them in there and you could offer food through these ports. So they get the security. You get the, the, you get the uh, comfort of being able to see them and you don't have to tear their cage apart. So mm-hmm. you're not going backwards with them. So setup is very important. And again, once you get them to the point where they're not afraid of you and they'll come and feed, put them in anything you want. Okay. And also, it's, I, I like the idea of offering the food in the tube because then it's they're not in the tube and you're not poking something to scare them out or trying to get them to feed exactly. that way. Exactly. That's counterproductive. Bites. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So um, now as far as anything else in the enclosure, are we talking – or even just enclosure yourself, is it tall that's more important or lengthwise or can you make both work? Well, I can make both. You, you can make both work. Okay. Uh, I just I just had this discussion with a guy on one of the groups and uh, an old school guy. And um, he bring up one of the old pioneers back in the day, the way he used to do things. And, and I'm like, yeah, that was a long time ago, bro. You should try something new. Maybe you, you'll get some better results. Mm. So the the the, the debate and I don't want to say the debate was um, uh a vertical thermocline mm-hmm. or a horizontal thermocline both work. You can make them both work. The problem is if, if you're going for a horizontal thermocline, uh, you know, you could use a harder, a harder light bulb, a heavier hidden light bulb, right? Okay. Because you, then you have a local area that's yeah. really warm and the other side would be cool. We're in a, a, a vertical thermocline, you you have, it's a little more subtle because your you know your hot spot's going to be near the top of course near the, but closer to the bulb right closer so to the bulb the, yeah. and then here's what's important is where here's where you get your thermocline that mm. simple angled piece of cork bark with that uh real um loose plant over it the light gets through um the heat gets through and again, it's up and down on that piece of bark where the coolest is at the bottom, warmest is at the top. And the thermocline is everything under that plant on that cork bark. And they feel secure at any level. Key right there. Right. So I guess also the key would be making sure you got the right bulb. Because if you're trying to do a vertical and you get one of those intense bulbs with it, like a hot, like a really intense hot spot, it's going to be way too hot at the top. And you're not going to have any variation down it'll just be like a beam of 
you know, way too heat, way too hot. So right, yeah, and exactly the horizontal, you're not even going to get any kind of thermal. Like it would not get it hot enough. So right, um, you you use the same. Like, do you have a recommended type of bulb or? Well, you, you know what? Here's here's again. It's like you know, I. I try to convey this to people it's and you guys know this i'm sure mm. um region to region place to place in this country that we live in you know um i'm up here in wisconsin so right. i've always you know adjusted my hus- husbandry accordingly to where if i said to somebody who lives in california southern california hey yeah go out and get yourself a, a halogen bulb mm. i'm not i'm not confident in doing that because you know, their, their, their weather conditions are automatically hotter than I am here. I'm in a basement in Wisconsin. Mm. It's pretty much cold all the time. You know, naturally Uh, it's cold in the basement and then it's cold in the winter time. So um, you adjust accordingly. So yeah, depending on where you are, like I, I I know people in California use, um, it's almost like um it's shaped like a halogen bulb but i don't think it's halogen it's it's mm-hmm. you know maybe just an incandescent so but it doesn't throw heat like a halogen is a hot bulb it yeah. really throws some heat so you know you got to be careful and experiment and these these are just from years of me honing it in you know that i've settled on um halogen bulbs for me and works here yeah, a uh, um, uh, basement in Wisconsin is not an attic in California, so you know it's, <laughs> you get you got to understand that as like rule one. So I get that exactly. Okay. Okay. Cool. So what do we what did we talk about as far as uh, temperatures for for them? Do they vary from species to species, or, or you know, is there uh, yes, temps? I, yeah, there, there's you know there's subtleties. Uh, I mean, you know, a basic guideline is, I mean, if you're raising animals, like 120 is good. If you're breeding animals, you know, my suggestion is what I do here. So I can only speak on that is I offer, you know, temperatures 140 plus some animals like my Mertens, you guys have visited them. You know how freaking hot it is there. Yes, we do. (laughs) So can, can you imagine laying on a rock in direct sun and people think 150. Oh, that's that's you know that's outrageous. That that that's not outrageous. It's no. probably right on point to there. I've never visited, but you guys have. Um, and you know the ambient temperatures of my Mertens enclosures and most of my Audatrias, you know their cool spots are 85 degrees, 82 degrees. That that that's not cool, but yeah. it is cool for them. So yeah, these right. high basking spots. You got to understand. This is a basking spot. It's a 150 degrees is in a concentrated area that they may spend 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Uh, uh, a gravid female may spend a half an hour or longer. So you just got to read your animals. A di- you know, an animal digesting food is going to sit up under that basking spot. And again, if you offer these temperatures, their metabolism is on point. They eat a lot, they move a lot, they crap a lot, and it's that's what they're designed to do. So you need to support that. Yeah. Do they, do you provide daily 
night drops like do you turn the lights off at night they you know at and and it the ambient temperature is what it is do you continue to heat and maybe turn the lights out like what's your approach there my approach is this um again i'm in a basement you know when when it's winter time i have space heaters running when it's um summertime i have space heaters running because my wife likes the house like a morgue so <laughs> the basement, the so basement stays yeah the basement stays pretty cold but i, I cut back like in the winter time uh my heat i got a, another heater in the in the summertime i have a little space heater on i turn off i turn it on like right before lights out because if i don't my temperatures go you know lower than 78 so and i don't like that so right. I, I generally keep my room at 82 degrees, 84 degrees. And when the lights all go off, it drops several degrees. But like, so their nighttime temperatures, uh, ambience are no, they're usually no less than 82, 80 degrees. So, you know, mm -hmm. again, it's cooler a few hours, um, but it, it's just like in the wild, you know, the night yeah. drop comes and it is what it is. But some people run their lights 24 seven, which I just don't do that. I just like the natural rhythm of that uh, 12 on 12 off. It gives them a break. Yeah. We were talking about that when we were out in Texas, uh, mm -hmm. me, Rob and Justin Julander were sort of chatting about that. And he was saying about how some monitor guys, I, I guess maybe it's a older school uh, way of thinking is where you leave that on just 24 seven. And I was just like, well, that just doesn't make sense to me because they, the sun goes down, <laughs> the big ball in the sky turns off. I mean, maybe you want yep. temperature, but I would imagine that they, they need that. Uh, Dark, I don't know. Yeah. You know. Well, what, what I found too is in trying to establish wild caught animals, yeah. 24 seven lights is not the way to go. Because yeah. I could tell you what happens. They are not dumb animals. They're very intelligent. Right. They pick up on your patterns. They pick up on sound patterns, visual patterns. And when your lights are on 24-7 and you go upstairs and you, you turn your TV off, you turn your micro, everything, there's no more noises. Everybody's up there sleeping. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to come out and they're going to be active because they know the food monkey ain't around. Right. <laughs> so what right. happens in the daytime when you, you know, you start your coffee, uh, you're walking around. Now you go down in your basement or you go to your reptile room. You, as soon as they hear that door open, they're like, Oh, okay. Danger. Now I'm not saying this is what I'm talking about. Wild caught animals for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. They, they hear the noise. They go and they hide. Now you, you, you're conditioning your animal to hide from you. Right. I don't want that. I want my animals to be, you know, I want to be friendly with them. I want them right. to like me. And in the end, like these sulfur monitors, I got straight out of the wild of Java. I got them eaten out of my hands already. So <laughs> it, it, yeah, awesome. it's, it's just, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, knowing how your animals behave and their lifestyle. And don't, you don't, don't cater to their fears. You know, they'll sleep at night. You know, it, it, right. if, if you offer them light all the time, uh, number one, they got to hide to get mm -hmm. out of the light. And, you know, number two, you're, you're basically training them to when they hear noises to go hide because that light ain't turning off. I'll go bask when it's quiet. Right. And that's it, that's the wrong approach, in my opinion. Right. OK. All right. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the other thing I was curious is like, you, you know, the Kimberly rock cage that you have is beautiful by the way, but thank you, man. What's, what's the size are we looking at with it? Cause that seems like it's a pretty big cage, right? Yeah. People's, you know what? People think it's big, but it's really not. It's, it's now you got to understand that Like if this was a wild caught Kimberly rock monitors, they're going to be like, what the heck is this tiny little box? But these are kept, you know, these are captive born animals and, you know, they don't know, they know nothing of the wild. They know nothing of vast, endless open spaces. So they're comfortable in the box if you give them what they need, you know. Right. Uh, that, that cage itself is, it's really kind of small for a group of four, but it works good. It's, um, it's uh, about four feet high. Okay. Four, four feet across. And now here's the real stunner. It's like 18 inches deep front to back. So it's really small, hmm. but wow. they, wow. yeah, they, they love it. There's, you know, of course it, it all matters what you do with the space as well. You know, I mean, if, if, if you utilize your three walls and give them, you know, climbing opportunities and basking opportunities, you, you, you can triple the size of your enclosure the way you set it up, you know? Right. So I guess, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of huge, right? You're using all that space in the middle of the cage that a lot of people like, you know, you could double, triple your amount of usable space in, in that environment, you know, Um, especially I would think with monitors because they're going to be, well, at least with the dwarf monitors, they're going to be getting in all these little cracks and crevices and stuff as, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess my thought is, do you have multiple basking spots when you're having a group of them or do you, do you offer that just in case? Yeah. I, I, you know, of course with um, anything else that you keep in a group, if you got one basking spot and a dominant animal, well, somebody's going to get cheated or they're, you're going to start a fight. So yeah, I always offer multiple uh, basking areas, um, you know, multiple retreats so you know they can all feel secure and not one guy's got the better of the you know hiding spots or you know so yeah it's it's just it basically with with monitors is to give them a a lot of choices a lot of opportunities for you know whatever the case may be uh basking hiding drinking uh, of course uh, in this enclosure right here i have two um spots to water them so in case you know, one's protecting a shelf or whatever. He can go to another shelf and drink. So yeah, yeah choices, choices. It kind of reminds me of the, uh, the skinks that, uh, I just was watching is like they, each, each skink was, uh, you know, defending its rock. You know, so I would imagine it's kind of the same thing with, uh, with them, you know, this is my yeah. shelf. This is my spot, you know? Yep. Um, well, you know, they're survivors, so they, they yeah. want all their best chances. And, you know, as much as we like to think they're all cozy and husband and wife, they're not, they, you right. know, <laughs> they're, they want to survive. They don't care about the next one. I mean, you know, nature is brutal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do you separate the dominant ones out to kind of give the lower guy a shot or do you pull the lower guy out to give him a shot of his own in a different no, thing? You just kind of let it let it happen it, it, well it depends so far i've found that with my um the audatria type monitors all the dwarves mm-hmm. that if you raise them in a group they work that out 
you know, initially like um, right up there is um, Eric's and <laughs> they're, they're, um, you know, they're working out their, uh, their lifestyle right now. And as long right. as you provide for them after that, you know, the, the one, they know each other. So when this guy's mad or pissed and, you know, I better not take that spot. I better not take that food. They work that out. That's the key to keeping them in groups. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Very Otherwise, cool. like I say, try to introduce animals that are already set in their ways. And uh, that's not, it's a, right. that's a recipe for disaster. Right. So with design of a cage, let's just say for the person that's not going to breed monitors and they just want to keep a group of them, let's say, or whatever. I mean, I would think that you would still want to include that nest box because wouldn't they use that soil as like it wouldn't it be easier to say keep that more of a humid uh you know, a place where they could go and get humidity right yeah yeah micro habitats are very important like you know uh when you look out at the kimberly region and you know you see scrub plants and it's so dry mm-hmm. but man they, they're going you know in rock crevasses they're going you know under bushes and you know, there's all kinds of micro habitats that they utilize that we don't even see, you know, an untrained eye wouldn't see that. Um, but they're there, they use them and you have to provide them. Now in this enclosure here, that nest box, that is a humid hide. Um, they use it they all use it to, for their moisture needs. Mm -hmm. And when, a female goes in there and she's nesting. It's really kind of strange to watch, but they'll all leave her alone. I don't see in the box. So I don't know if she's kicking them out uh, or if they're respecting her space, but they'll stay at the surface and she digs way to the bottom of the box. So nobody follows her down. Um, You know, that hasn't been the case yet. Uh, So, you know, they kind of respect their needs. And as long as that box is humid all the way through it, they mm. don't need to go lower. They just need to go lower to lay eggs. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. There was that, uh, article, um, that they were showing, um, uh, the barrows of monitors and how, how crazy intricate they were. Wow. And how, yeah, you know, it, it was just wild. You know, that was, was like, fantastic. Really cool. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. Holy shit. Um, I was wondering, like, if you're going to breed them, right? Um, yep. First of all, I guess the first question would be, like, what's the age? Like, yeah, because you know, I would imagine they grow fast. So, yeah, they all vary, and um, you know, just I've just been working with the Audatrias the last, uh, you know, almost two years, and mm. man, oh man, are these <laughs> things these things are different than you know my water monitors, my uh, you know. Um, my uh, Mertens, you know, Mertens, they mature after about two years, but they actually need a little more time okay. uh, to, you could, if you try to breed a Mertens and it's too soon and females inexperienced, you could have a complications resulting in death, which is, you know, nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I found these Audatrias, I took my Kimberly rocks. I got them as hatchlings, kept uh, 2.2 together, and they turned out to be 2.2. And when in 10 months, they went from eggs to laying eggs, 
And I don't mean like a clutch. I've my incubator, I got three or four clutches in there and this, they are barely a year old. So they're a lot different. They got a higher, you know, higher metabolism. So a higher paced life, they got to get things done, you know, unlike a long lived, you know, um, you know, these other animals, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mertens and, and big ass water monitors that have a really long life. And, you know, they see, uh, lots of variables in the wild where these audatras, you know, it's, you got to get it while you can get it. It's right. hot, it's dry. The seasons come and go quickly. So they're, they're on point. They need to, you know, it, it, it I don't think it benefits them at all to do things moderate with them. I just keep everything extreme with them, extreme right. heat, um, you know, extreme feedings and they, give me a lot of eggs so i'm not gonna <laughs> so yeah, something's I'm not going nothing. correctly you're like you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. and again it, i think that falls back on the the whole you know going discos you know the monitors are really i go way back and you know and they were even before that so uh the way things are now in the monitor world there are things are rapidly changing you know, there's a lot of strides being made and changes in husbandry and the results are obvious. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you break out of that fear is for lack of knowing what it to call, but the fear that these are fragile animals, man, these are not fragile animals. These are monitor lizards. They're beasts. They know yeah. what they're doing, support them like they're beasts and, and they do good things for you. Right. Is it just you think that maybe a lot of people run into trouble because they kind of get over their skis a little bit with, you know, buying a monitor, not fully prepared for what they should be doing for the monitor is where you yes. think a lot of the issues come in? Yeah, I definitely, you know, uh, a monitor lizard, and you know this from the Nile, the uh, Asian water monitors and the Savannah monitors, yeah. you know, a $30 monitor at you know, that's impulse. So, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you think, ah, I'll put it in a 10 gallon with a little cypress mulch. And man, <laughs> that's just the wrong thing to do. These animals deserve way more than that. And yeah. you can see they yeah. import them by the hundreds of thousands. And you go on Facebook right now or any of these platforms and say, hey, man, who's got a two-year-old Nile? Who's got a two-year-old Savannah monitor? If they show it to you, it's going to look like a football. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not going to live another year. It's sad to say, but right. you know these animals are used to extremes. You got to give them extremes. They they don't. They, you know, I know they call Australia the land of plenty. Well, that, that maybe for the people, but it's not that way for the animals. The animals have a rough. Yeah, they, a, no, they, it is. We didn't touch a single rock until like maybe the sun went down because I wasn't sitting on that thing yet. No, right. it was. Yeah, see, they're, they're okay. smart. They're, they know what they're doing, and if you provide for them the proper way, they do what they do, and they're pros at it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if people will be when they're watching this or listening to this. So if you're listening to the podcast version of this, I would recommend going and watching on YouTube because yeah. Mike has the best seat in the house. And this is exactly why I love Dude, monitors. The, the, right? the, I'm, I've been checking out the yeah, one behind him, that barrel one. I love that. I love that enclosure. Right. Well, yeah, yeah that's cool too. But I yeah. love that. I mean, just being able to sit in your room and watch and spin around all his lizards. Yeah. yeah man, just, oh, man. Oh, let, let me give you a quick. Look oh, yeah, at this. Please. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Where are we go? Okay. Here. Here's here. Can you see that? Yeah. Oh, we got yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. That was my chair. And these are my audatrias. <laughs> so this is pretty much where I spend, you know, most of my days when I'm not uh, housekeeping for a bunch of little dinosaurs. But <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a nice little spot. And then yeah. I got a spot over there for all my other stuff that I sit Holy and watch. Hell. Yeah, and and then of course I got my big walk-in enclosure there with my sulfur monitors. Uh, you can see the the pair up there. It's a male and a female. Oh wow! Um, and then I got a big Ularis. I built an enclosure under the stairs. I try not to waste no space and all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, if you're gonna play with this stuff, you might as well make it nice and comfortable for you. Yeah, man. But yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate those compliments, really. Yeah, man. Yeah, I man. Mean, yeah. What What is the point? Like, it, you, I, you want to sit down and like, I, I can sit down in my room and see all most of my big snakes and stuff of like that. I want to see them. I don't want to look at bins or things like that. Drawers. You know? Oh, I man, have yeah. some, but like you know, I, I'm waiting to get into a bigger space, and I'm gonna correct that shit. Like, I want, I want to see my stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they have their applications. I mean, I, I get it. If you're a commercial breeder, of course, you're not going to do this with monitors. No. But if you're a commercial breeder and you want racks and that, that's great. But, you know, to me, when I was doing that with um, – when I had my North American desert rat snakes, I started with racks. And I'm like, man, I love these snakes, but I cannot stand looking at this shit. Yeah. Right. So I went out and this is going way back in the day too. There was a company called creative habitats. I don't know if you guys recall them. I yeah. have one of their racks or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Kind of yeah. like, uh, yeah, but man, how cool is that? You could see all your stuff. You could set it up, you know, naturalistic. I'm not saying it's natural, um, naturalistic. And when your animals are moving and they're, you know, they're going up over a log or they're, they're basking on a log. Well, that's way better than, well, let me open this drawer. Okay. You look at it for five minutes, you close the drawer. That's all it, there's just no pleasure in that for me. I love creating naturalistic habitats and then seeing my animals appreciate it and use it. And I know they appreciate it. I mm -hmm. definitely know they appreciate it. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, you just get this, I mean, it just gives me my. I have. I'm selfish. I want my Zen moment where I can yeah, sit around I want, and look at my Yeah, I want to remember animals. what yeah. it was like to be in Australia yeah. again, yeah, and that's on. like this, uh, your own little window of uh, you know looking at or wherever whatever animals to keep. You know, it's like yeah. looking at you know your own little box of nature. You know. Here, let me. Um, I don't know if you guys can see this. Here, this is my adult Kimberly rocks. Can you see them? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They ain't afraid. They ain't scared. Wow. They love their setup. Got some Checking up there. Out. I yeah. love the I love the 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 gap hide like the small gaps. They love it. Ram right in there. And, and and if you notice that up there, you know that basking shelf, although it's not 
um, a basking platform itself. I'll bet you between that piece of styrofoam and that the roof of that cage, that's a hundred degrees up there, easy. Wow! And they'll sit there all day long. They get all their heat needs met, and they're not exposed. And yeah, they love it. You know, if you do these guys right, they love all this stuff. Okay, so that these are the which which ones are in the barrel cage that we're looking at? These are Gil and I. These are uh, yeah, these are uh, pygmy mulga monitors, which um, you know they they like a more vertically oriented um, cage, and that basking shelf. I'll bet you is I don't even bet you. I'm telling you, that's a hundred. That's 150 plus. Wow. And there's a little female. She's in this <laughs> crookedest tree. That's got to be 95, 100 degrees there. And, you know, they just, they thrive like this. And wow. they're not afraid of me. You can see they're not afraid of me. Oh, yeah. he, he, he came out because you were opening the door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, at, there's another one here. Look, they'll come down. They're not afraid. Well, they, they know they're going to they check you out. And then when you don't got food, they're just going to go back to doing what they were doing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They're going to wait for some pinky parts. So yeah, we get like, this closed you open up the door. You're supposed to bring food. Like what yeah, the hell? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's awesome. So, so um, yeah. Anything else I want to show, um, I'm going to give Eric a little demonstration of what yes. he's going to be doing here. Yeah, do it. Yeah, dude, dude, take him to school, man. I mean, All right, here we go. I'm taking to school. This is gonna... crazy. You guys say that like I'm a teacher, man. I was well, a little dude, like, in school. That, that's what, when people ask me about a certain species that I have that they're interested, I tell them, come over and I'll take you to like white lip school. Take you like, to school. You, <laughs> yeah, come on, man. You can, you can play around with it. See if this is what you really want because this is what you're going to have to do. So, yeah, this is take him to Kim school. Come on. Okay, well, we're going to school right now because <laughs> you you had brought up something. That, and, and now that I'm standing here and I'm in teacher mode. Ha, yeah. Have you, Miss Peterson, who said I would never amount to anything. <laughs> ah, Let me show you something here. This, yeah. this is a baby King Gorham. You can see him there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. This cage, can you see the whole cage? Yeah, it's like a is it like a 20 long or yeah, it's it's not even that. It's maybe right. uh, like a like the footprint of a 10 gallon, but much shorter. Okay. And here you can see a horizontal thermal gradient. So okay. here this the stack of shit. You yeah. got like a hundred and twenty degrees on top of the cork, okay. like a hundred degrees between the corks, eighty-five under the corks, and then over there you got like an eighty-two spot hidden and moist so they do what they want and you can see he's basking out there at probably 90 degrees 85 90 degrees and then in the same breath here's a there's a vertical, uh, there's a vertical thermal gradient in uh you know set up so um here i'm gonna try to feed these guys for you eric oh these are these are eric's guys yeah these are eric's these are oh. eric's little guys so here we dude, go, how, dude. How desperate are you to get your hands on these things? Right oh now? man, can you see in here? <laughs> My bonus can't come quick enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. <laughs> yeah, we got oh, a okay. full screen, man. <laughs> yeah, it's only you. Come on. I love how we're like we're all holding our breath, like we're actually. Wow, there. they are small. Oh, they are God. small. Now look at that. See, once he I touched it with his nose, he starts sniffing it. Right. And don't mind me shaking. I, I had a bad childhood. <laughs> Come on. 
You're on camera, dude. Don't 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 embarrass me. Eat yeah, don't thing. don't come on, man. <laughs> oh yeah, look. Looks like we're getting a little interest. Yeah, dude. he'll 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 come around. Eventually. Like, yeah, there it is. There it is. Oh, there it goes. Now, look, at, look at look at how small that animal is. Look at the oh size of that pinky God. leg. Wow. That's it's wild. Going down man. the hatch, man. Look at that vicious killer. Oh my God. That's adorable and awesome all at once. Oh, uh, Owen's, Owen's getting transferred. No, 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 no. Hey, Eric, I was waiting for the sign. That's it, brother. <laughs> Shit, no. Nice. <laughs> That's how it starts. Owen's going to start. He's going to start researching now. And uh-huh. no, no, what's going to end up happening is I'm going to, because first off, I've always loved the look of Kimberly's. So yes. once Eric gets them and I get one like in my hand or like near me, it's going to be very bad. Like it's going to be very, very bad for me. So I'm going to try really hard not to. Yeah. You know. Now, now he'll eat two or three pieces like that. Right. How long do you think it's going to take him to grow eating like that? Not very long. Is that, is that daily or? <laughs> That's daily. Now that was one piece, one animal. And yesterday they ate the same thing three or four different you know pieces each uh pretty much right now between the three of these they'll eat a whole pinky <laughs> okay so, uh, of course you know minced up but right. uh yeah so you see you got nothing to worry about they're they're not fragile or delicate i haven't found that and if you just get that out of your mind i mean you know our minds are very powerful just like these animals are intelligent you 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 know you speak doubt over yourself you're gonna have doubts so speak right. speak the truth to yourself and you know and and it, and it only good can come of it they, these are not delicate animals they're healthy they're gonna thrive they're gonna eat real good and with that mindset you transfer that over to this animal and they're gonna eat now how do they relate to the pilbarensis Oh, here my pills oh, are right here. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh. oh, let's get a zoom oh. in here. Uh, Can you see the guy there? That's my yeah, male. That's oh, one wow. of my males. I got two males, but um, yeah, they're they're awesome. They're on the list too. Oh, so look yeah, at that. definitely. It's a beautiful, beautiful animal. I love the insides of these cages, dude. Like, you know, I know you put a lot of work into this kind of stuff, but that is nuts. Yeah. So Thank I. You. I started where so I'm I'm gonna give the shout out right now. You know, I picked it up uh Zupoxy from Mike. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. Uh I'm starting Absolutely. to uh you know work on the the design for um you know I, eventually it's gonna be the Kimberleys and the uh Ackies and probably <laughs> the Pilbarensis and the King Gorum. Oh <laughs> no, it's over. Oh he's getting it's the whole it. thing. Yeah, it's oh, god. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've lost him. It's over. Uh, okay. <laughs> Well, well, you can send all your Morelia to me. We'll figure nah, it out. Nah, nah, man. I will. I will. That's where it's at. You know, I want a little variety, but I don't know. I don't know what it is about the dwarf monitors that sort of like uh, well, pulled me in. A, you know, you can do a lot of fun stuff with this kind of stuff where it's like, you know, you can build a really cool enclosure and it's not. It's not taking up one of your spare bedrooms. Like it's, it's also not a crack monitor that's going to try to take your head off. Right. So yeah, you let, know. Me, let me, I'm going to show you guys another dwarf monitor here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, get. Uh... Okay. This is fun. I enjoy this tour. <laughs> yeah, it's a live tour here. Yeah. Go. Oh. Oh. Okay. 
Oh, the coming eye, right? Yeah. I would see him compared to my hand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Yeah. Worth my foot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gums. Oh, but wow. yeah, see, they, they lose their fear of, you know, of you and, and once they do, it's, it's good for them and it's good for you. Cause, uh, you know, you have a great relationship with these animals and they appreciate it. Uh, like I said, they're, they're highly intelligent. So if they didn't want the interaction, they wouldn't pursue it. Um, yeah. sometimes they're, they, they're shut off and they don't want nothing to do with me. And I don't force myself on them ever. I see, you know, a lot of people, they do that baby talk and it's snick, snick, snick. They click like a, like it's a dog or something. They, they don't understand that shit. I mean, if anything, if anything, I don't know what, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, yeah, I better shut up, man. There's a lot of people who do that clicking. Yeah. Um, so what about as far as, as, as like when you're going to breed these, uh, wow, look at that. Yeah, this is a sulfur monitor. He is not even a year out of the wild. Dear God. So where do they come from? They, this this um, particular group comes from Java. Java, okay. Yeah. And it's a Salvatore, um, I believe, Bivitatis. But okay. it's, you know, it's a, it's a natural occurring color morph, which is the sulfur. And they're just beautiful. I was never, you know, these get seven foot. These, right these guys get huge and you know i've been offered them before and i'm like yeah seven foot seven foot ah, that's a lot when yeah. this group became available to me and i seen this male up here i'm gonna go in there when i seen this male man i swear to god i i don't know how to say this without <laughs> sounding too weird i almost uh you know coming in my pants so who's yeah. <laughs> that there if seven foot seven foot don't give a damn anymore Right. Yeah, I guess. But there you go. That's wow. you know, you know, wow. wild caught, so they're a little afraid yet, but not too bad. They're the the one that's crawling on top of that female, he'll eat right out of my hand. Uh this female's still a little spooked. But um I'm in the process of building uh here's the cage. Right. Basket okay. shelf so down there. Basically it's the same thing for like you have that big cork tube with even bigger holes drilled in them drilled in them and stuff and, like that. Yep. So you can feed through that. And then these are like little wood, um, almost like rectangles that they can get into as well. So that's, yep. again, it's they can hide and still have the thermo gradient. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And this cage here right now is up here is 84 degrees, 73% humidity. It's been 86 and the humidity has been up to 77. So. It's pretty wow. uncomfortable in here. I'm getting out. <laughs> they like it. I yeah. do not. Yeah. They <laughs> love it. Yeah. Monkey monkeys do not. <laughs> yeah. No. no. It's yeah. Not monkey habitat. Yeah. Hairy monkey sweat. <laughs> <laughs> so um, all right. So I was gonna hit on um a little bit of uh breeding real quick. Like, you know, yeah. you're getting these guys to the size. What do you do you manipulate anything? Is it a temperature? Is it a is it a light? Is it nothing? They just they go to it. They just breed when they well, breed. To be to be honest with you, um, if you if you support them to the best of your abilities with proper temperatures and humidity and the food intake, I believe is the key to it. Okay. You know, people, you know, man, if you, if you knew what I do to feed these animals and 
the money I spend and like, you know, people think, Oh yeah, I'll feed them, uh, you know, twice a week. No way, man. These, these things eat every day. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I'm not feeding them like till they're satisfied every day, but they are eating every day. Right. Um, so you keep a good, healthy body weight on them and their body just goes into, you know, reproduction mode. Um, so just support them to the best of your abilities. My opinion, feed them every day. Of course, you got to be smart with your food. You're not going to feed these um, uh, water monitors a big rat every day, but mm-hmm. you could feed them quails every day, smaller quails, because, you know, while they're, they're really good at sustaining the animals, um, they're not over-sustaining them to where you wind up with a football or something that's out of shape. Because a male, you know, an overweight male, he doesn't think about breeding. He just thinks about working sure, off yeah. this food. Yeah. yeah so, right. Very cool. I'm, okay. You know, the, and then basically you have that egg box set up. Like the thing that I, maybe I just don't understand it, but like, how do you guys know when she laid? Yeah. Oh, you know <laughs> what? And that's, that's, that's all like experience observing like you see my nice comfortable chair i i don't just come down here and work i spend a lot of time observing my animals and you know you could see difference like when they're going into a cycle they become a certain shape so you you know that they're you know producing follicles mm-hmm. and then from there you'll notice your male starting to court the female and then you'll catch them locked up uh then you'll see your female she'll swell and basically the best thing to do is at that point you're looking for them to start digging it's usually uh it depends on the species but shortly before laying you know some of them are a month some of them are just a couple days or weeks um so when you start seeing that obsessive digging from a female who's fat they'll go in there they'll go in their nest chamber mm-hmm. and they'll come out a lot of times you won't notice, but if you look at their tail base, you'll notice it. Um, uh, like even before they lay, you'll notice that tail base get real sunken. Um, okay. I think it's to facilitate the, you know, the motion of the eggs coming out. But um, sometimes you'll notice a baggy female and you know, and at other times you just got to look for that subtlety, like the tail base or, you know, maybe she doesn't look baggy, but she's not as full as she was. Um, it's a lot of instinct too. Like the last clutch I pulled out of her, out of these Kimberly rocks, I was uh-huh. like, man, I just, I just, I got two females in here, but I'm like, right. I just dug up a clutch of eggs, man. Is what are the chances? I said, that female looks a little, you know, she looks a little, uh, down like she's, you know, you know, lost some weight, water weight in her tail and her back end. Right. And I'm like, yeah, okay. What the heck? So I dug and I got, I don't know. I think I got, I don't know, eight or nine more eggs. So yeah, you just got to watch it's it, it. Believe me, if this stuff was just, you know, like timing, like with snakes, it seems to be, you know, it's all about timing. Um, you know, you know, 30 days after a copulation and you know, mm-hmm. after you've brumated them for so long, they'll be ready oh, with monitors they're always ready. And if you keep them how I got mine, um, in, in, you know, in peak condition, 24 seven, they just, right. they, they reproduce. I mean, they're, Oh proof. my God. 
They just how, reproduce. How many eggs can you get out of a monitor species in a year? I mean, I know it varies for each species, but I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It depends. I mean, the 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 larger species, uh, in my opinion and in my experience, it's a little more taxing on them. Okay. Um, and, and I don't know if that's got to do with the size of the animal. Um, I highly doubt it's the region that they come from or the area or country of origin, but I think it's more of like the lifestyle. So yeah. like, like, um, like Mertens, um, you know, they have a season, it gets a little cooler. So, you know, that shutdown period might trigger like it would in, uh, snakes, but these adatrias, if you keep them, uh, if you keep them in peak condition and their and their breeding condition and their cage conditions are all up to par, man, they just keep throwing them. How is it in the long run on the animal? I don't know, but I know that um, with my Mertens, there came a point when I had to uh, separate the male out because he was just breeding them too much, and I didn't want to burn them out. That's mm. you know they they produce huge eggs, and you know. I think the first clutch was like nine and then like 11, 14. Now I'm getting 14, 16 egg clutches. That's a lot of eggs. Right. So, you know, kind of got to use your own judgment on when, when is time to, you know, pull the plug for a little while and let them actually really recuperate. But like I say, I, um, my conditions are, you know, high, my quality of care is high. You know, my food is high quality food. Supplementations are always on point. So I believe that I'm supporting them really well. And I mean, the, the proof is in the incubator, but, um, you know, yeah. there, there comes a time when you, yeah, maybe you got to just say enough is enough for right now and give them a little bit of a break. But if, if you support them, they'll keep throwing them at you. So do you, go ahead, Owen. I mean, do you think the dwarf species breed more just because you assume baby dwarf monitors are easy pickings for a lot of species and a lot of like it's almost like baby sea turtles. They throw a lot of eggs just because they know maybe one of them will make it to, to adulthood. So right. maybe that's why dwarf monitors just seem to cycle so much. I do. I do think that's part of it. I also think um, part of it is the, um, you know, their lifestyle, their their. Mm. There are high metabolism animals that, uh, you know, when, when the conditions are right, they're running on all cylinders. So they, they, you know, their whole goal is to keep their species going. Right. So, uh, you know, again, if the conditions provide for their young, they're going to have young. If, you know, if the times of plenty cut back and it's a little cooler, insect populations drop, I'm sure their egg production in the wild drops too. So you keep all that in the, you know, consideration, but mm. as long as you support them well in captivity, eat, like, even if you think, wow, yeah, that's a lot of eggs, they're burning out, but man, they're getting quality food, quality care. Um, you know, it's, it's not so much survival of the fittest in my basement. Right. Right. Where it would be in the wild. Right. So when you get the eggs, is it a, is, do you have a time frame from when you have to get them out of the, the, where she laid the, you know, the, in the lay box into the incubator? Um, do you have to get them relatively quickly or are they a little? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I try to be humble. I think I'm pretty good, but I know I'm not that good. If, if they stayed too long in the egg box, they dry up. I mean, you yeah. know, the, the conditions within your soil and your egg boxes or whole cage nesting, you know, it's not definitely not the wild. It's not stable. Mm-hmm. We're running it with, you know, electric and heaters and um, evaporation uh, comes out of your soils. So my, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, I don't know, a chooch, whatever, but yeah, when they're, when they're grabbing and I see them going in nest box, I'm like, my nose is pressed up on the glass. I'm <laughs> waiting for her to come out. I try to collect them as soon as possible. Now there are some cases of, you know, people who, you know, have and, been and there? one case, no, they don't want to leave them in there, but they don't know. Right. And yeah. one case I know, um, he now lace monitor eggs, they go a long, long time. Could, uh, could go up to a year, yeah, yeah a little Brian, less or Brian more. That uh, holy before. shit, yeah. Brian yeah. told us that they were that. Yeah, I mean, he sends me messages that he's like, Oh, yeah, these are on day like 253. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, yeah, yeah, it's a while. Well, my Mertens, my Mertens, the, the earliest was 262 days. I can't. What? No. Uh, yeah, you I pull my hair out. But I yeah. learned they 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 taught me great patience, which is nice with the audatria because wow. I could have my fun in between. You know. Yeah. <laughs> They're but, in the incubator and out the incubator before these things are even halfway done. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So uh, a friend of mine had some lace monitors. This is going way back, and he was you know taking care of his animals, sitting there looking in his enclosure one day and. He noticed something tucked behind a tree between the wall and a, a limb. Oh no. So he's like, oh, what do I got? A mouse loose? What do you know? What's in the cage? He goes and he looks, he's got a baby lace monitor. Wow. And that natu- <laughs> it hatched naturally in his enclosure. So that yeah, that says, you know, he had some tight soil for sure. I mean, that that was, you know, whatever he did for that, I'm good, but I'm not that good. I would never <laughs> leave it. Wow. You know, because I'm constantly adding water to my substrates. I'm returning it, aerating it. You know, there's a lot of work to it. Right. But yeah, I mean, it could, it happen. could happen. Yeah, that could happen. So, as far as, uh, I mean, I know you use sim containers, right? It's basically mm-hmm. pretty straight ahead. That's the yes. best way for monitor eggs. Well, you know what? I love uh, John and Alex. They're my bros from, you know, long ago, and I support them in their business and i love sims eggs boxes and i use them for all my eggs um however i've noticed that with my adatria and again it's probably not the box it's you know probably something that i do or i have done i don't know but my coming eye and my mertens they go into sims over water i don't have any problems i've lost several king gorm clutches that way um i lost a couple of kimberly rocks clutches that way and after you know you lose a few you're like ah you know you got to start looking at what's going on mm-hmm. so that's when i just resorted back to old school and i still use the sim containers because they're beautiful boxes they got great lids they're crystal clear yeah. uh but i for my audatria eggs i put them on vermiculite one to one by water weight and yeah, and I just bury them, half bury them in the water, in the in the in the vermiculite, and okay. just wait. 
Okay. But again, there's more than one way to skin a cat in this game. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Halogen bulbs, you know, mega ray, whatever, UV, no UV, you know, overwater, not overwater. There's more than one ways to do this. And as long as you're doing good, just keep doing what you're doing. What's yeah. the temperature at that you're keeping those eggs at? I keep, I inch, I incubate all my varanid eggs at 85 degrees. I used to go 86, 87. Right. Um, and, you know, again, back in my, I don't know, with, with my naivety or my immature itty of this, I wanted them. I wanted them to hatch. I wanted them yeah. to hatch. Right. And I, I found, I mean, it works. And, but do you gain any time? Do you lose time? I don't really know. So I just, at this stage in my life, I'm in no hurry for nothing. I put it down to 85, which it could probably even be less, but 85 is what I found to be the sweet spot. That's awesome. Gotcha. That's, that's lower than my Python temps. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. A couple degrees. Well, wow. I'm sure you could keep Python eggs at 85 degrees, right? Uh, it would just take longer to hatch, right? Right. I, well, there was well, that. You've one, kept them at shut 70 up, degrees. Shut up. Right. <laughs> one time, I don't plug in the incubator and I put clutch in there, and everybody's like, "That's a science experience." No, it's an Owen fuck up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a good thing to learn, man. No, That's it was a learning that, lesson. That fuck you, up. You know, what, you know, the real tragedy would be as if you didn't learn. Yeah, yeah, we learned. Check the fucking incubator that we yeah. just plugged in. Yeah, but you still hatched eggs. Yes, they all still hatched. Beautiful. Right, that's my point. It was you know, the it's biggest like, bitch clutch to ever get feeding. They, it, all of them were horrible. I think. I think the the big t- takeaway for that kind of thing is right is exactly what Mike's been saying throughout this whole episode. Right, it's like you yeah. have to get out of your head of like. You know, these things that we have sort of, uh, you know, uh, oh, they're so sensitive. Oh, they're this, oh, they're that. You know, it's like yeah, you, know. you got to you got to get out of your own way, you know? Um, yeah, you do got to get out of your own way because, I mean, for I mean, number one, anybody who's who, who says uh, you will use Kimberly Rocks as the example. Well, they're really fragile and they're sensitive, dude. They live in Australia. They bask <laughs> on 150 degree rocks. They eat lizards from in crevices, and they're fragile. No, yeah, everything is designed to kill them. Like, yeah, no, yeah. they're not fragile. They just gotta allow them to do what they do naturally. That's the key to it. Just yeah. provide for them, and they'll do everything else. I don't do nothing special. I right. I set up these cages the way I like them, and with temperatures and humidity levels, everything that works for the animal. They do the rest. I don't do that, yeah. but I'm the food monkey. I bring them food. That's all yeah. I do. <laughs> Change the water, bring them food. That's all I do. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So there was a question in the chat. And I don't know. I don't even know if this is able to be known, but maybe there's some 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 oh, thought I mean, into this. Do monitors hatch higher or lower numbers of males at a lower temperature? Like like yeah. crocodilians, right? Yeah, I think tortoises or turtles and maybe crocodilians do that. I don't know if if I don't know if that works with varanids or not. I don't oh, know. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, no, Scott, Scott, Scott Iper's in the chat and he's just saying, no, uh, wait a minute. That popped up. Varanids, the sex is genetically determined. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. okay. Well, there you go. <clears throat> yeah. 
Scott, he's so, going to wave his parentheses at us and make us all feel jealous. Oh, oh parentheses, my favorite. Yeah, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the Cadillac there. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I think I would build a, a, a big shed in my backyard. I'd kill Eric either for, for them yeah. <laughs> or for some mertens maybe sometime somewhere down oh, the, see, you know, who this, knows you know i don't know stuff is just training for you to get those mertens and yeah, you have that little it's like training wheels i can tell you what man mertens in the proper setup they can't be beat it's it's like okay yeah. the best way they're 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 um what's the the generic names you know how people call somebody vanilla cream well they have bullshit but um Mertens, people call them scaled otters, and and that's so on point with what they are. They they're they're Mertens monitors. They're reptiles. I could get them to do, you know, that, how the dolphin comes up out of the water, yeah, and, the, the, and gets the, the, a food. Yeah, I can get them to come out of the water like that. Um, they're just they're like, it's like watching. You can either. Think of them like a dolphin or an otter or a Merton's monitor. They do so <laughs> many cool things. And like people who set them up with a, you know, a nice water feature, but no viewing window underneath. Oh man, you're cheating yourself. There's yeah, so man. much stuff. That's so cool. So yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm never going to get rid of that cage. I'll keep that as a cage, but you know, well, it's like uh, you're always evolving, always advancing. Sure. Eventually, they're going to have like, um, you know, like when you go to the food court in a mall and there's the plants and the water oh, stream. Yeah. And oh, a little, that, that's what I'm going to have for them. So that's that's my end goal with the Mertens. That's a nice <laughs> wow. little atrium to sit in there with them. Yeah. And just put the just have the chair right there, right after. Exactly. Like, you know, like, and put the chair here and we're finished. Yeah. That's done. it. That's awesome. Yeah. That was magic seeing them in the wild, man. That was just, that uh, was. Yeah, man. I'm jealous. Yeah, I, dude, I, I wish you could have been there, man. You would have lost, you, you lost your shit. shit you, dude, oh, I will. You know what, though, I, you guys. I hope somebody's because I'm not. I'm not young like I used to be. If I would have went in for him, I, I got the bad leg. I'd be well, drowning. You bring, you bring one of us. We'll go get it and we'll bring it back to you. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was hoping that if I got in trouble in the water, you'd at least rescue me no, out of the water before no, you get the lizard. No, you send somebody else to go get it and bring it back. Like I that's got gotcha. you. Do it. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. You point. You say you get 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 that lizard. Like yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're we're almost coming up on two hours, so I, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to throw out there yeah, if man. somebody's interested in and in, you know, I mean, obviously if somebody's interested in getting some monitors, you're the guy to hit up. Um but oh, yeah, uh, I appreciate that. You know, I don't know. Anything that we anything missed else, or uh, yeah, just just uh well not not anything that we missed, just just so um people can understand like um, you know, single solitary animal. If, if, you know, if you just want to keep one as a pet and there's certain ones that are better for that and mm -hmm. other ones do better in groups. So do your research. And if you just want a pet, you know, there's certain species, but if, if you, if you want just a pet, like I have one person who bought, um, one of my King Gorms, they mm -hmm. only wanted, I, I mean, that's an expensive, that's an expensive pet. Right. And I said, are you sure you don't want to get it like a couple? Because, you know, 
as your son advances, he's going to want to, and then he's going to try to introduce one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you're running into other complications. So that, that's it. If you know, you need to do your research on their habitats, their conditions. Um, and, and again, I don't mean just like if you're paddling a boat down the, you know, the Sapeak river in area Java that, you know, what the, you know, the air temperatures, you need to know basking temperatures, (laughs) microhabitats, the soil moisture in the ground. There's a lot to keeping these animals happy. Right. So just do your research. We did have I think this would be the perfect closing question. Yeah. One last question. And it it came from Scott and he said he has a question for Mike. What is the most interesting monitor you have kept and why? Oh, um, you know, that's hard because I love them all, but the most interesting monitor hands down for me is my Mertens. I just love them. They, they, like I said, they do as much cool shit on the land as they do in the water. And there's never a dull moment with them. Um, and when they go into feed mode, they just, they're, they're stupid. They lose their brain. And, <laughs> and, and I'm not even kidding. If we ever do this again, I'll do oh, this yeah. feeding and I'll show, unless you know, I will do it another time, but um, they lose their brain. Now I don't know how they are in the wild when you've seen them, but when, when you, when you offer them food, like if, if I throw a quail in there in the water, they'll go and get it. No problem. But if I give it to them on a, a forceps, they just, they go, they, you can see their eyeballs. They get that little loop in their eye and they'll come for the food. They'll come for the food. They back away. They charge, they back up. They're unsure, but they know they want to eat that food prey, but they just, they get weird. They, I mean, and again, you don't want to have your hand anywhere near them when they're weird like this. Cause they are attacking anything that moves, but it's, I would say Mertens are my, my favorites because of their, you know, their aquatic nature and just as much as they're aquatic, they're terrestrial. So you, you run the gamut with them. You get to see it all. Yeah. That's nuts. Scott said they're food crazy in the bush too. So okay, that, good. that yeah. translates. Uh, I'm you so know. glad I let that one get really, really close to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, okay, man. I mean, yeah, obviously there's so many questions that we didn't hit on and uh, we'll you know, I feel like there's I always going to be, a, you're, you're the monitor guy <laughs> yeah. for the NPR. Yeah, we'll you know what I, mean? you back I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you guys. <laughs> yeah. So where can, you know, if people want to get some of these awesome monitors, where did it, where did it we tell, put your info out there, everything you got so we can follow you and uh, see what you're going on because you're just okay. producing them like a machine. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're doing all the work, man. I support right. them, yeah. you know, but so yeah, you can catch me, uh, Mike's monitors, Facebook page. You can catch me, Michael Stefani on Facebook, Mike's monitors on Instagram. Uh, mikesmonitors.com and I have a Mike's Monitors YouTube channel which I'm you know I, I'm like I say I'm low tech but I'm getting content out there and it's all going to be funny interesting you know you'll get information from it some entertainment I hope and uh, you know good information that's what it's all about I, and I love helping people you know even people that are whatever i don't care <laughs> you know a lot of people it's it's crazy i don't i don't know why this is but 
you know, the reptile community, you could find the tightest knit people. And then you could find some people that are just like, they're disgruntled for some reason. And I, I, I don't feel I do that to anybody, but there are people out there, you know, but I will help anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you like me or not. I'll help you. Didn't, uh, I, I know I, I don't know who it is and you probably do, but somebody did a uh, collection uh, overview. I know you did one with Dave Kaufman, but you did another one recently with somebody else. I, I, yeah. I, I guess I'm watching too many monitor stuff. It Apparently showed up you in my are. YouTube algorithm. <laughs> what is happening here? That's uh that's a local guy here. His name is Juan Pineda or something like that. Okay. I just met okay. him, but I was at, we were planning on doing a, a tour um, you know, I want to help the guy out with his, his new YouTube channel. I don't know if it's new, but I wanted to right. help him. So, uh, we have a, a thing here a couple times a year. I don't know, a couple months, whatever it is. It's called sewer fest. It's a reptile show. Right. And, and I was in there and I just, I happened to see him. I'm like, Oh man, cause he lives in Indiana and I'm in Wisconsin. So I said, Hey, you're here. You want to come to the house? So that was shot pretty quick. My cages weren't up to par, but yeah, that, that was a fun one. He did pretty good with it. I think. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. cool. Awesome. And, and is monitor fest still going on? Oh, or what's my going God. on with this? Thank yeah. you for saying you that. are welcome. Now, <laughs> now, now I don't know. Okay. Monitor fest is Brian Waterloo mm-hmm. and um, Andrew Llewellyn and Rob Faust baby. Okay. okay? Um, you know, I love Brian and the other guys I, I know, but uh, Brian's right here by me and he's my friend for a long, long time. I love Brian. He's uh, Brian is Brian. He gets, you know, he gets discouraged or whatever the case may be. And, and like right now he's having a real hard time with, you know, he wants so much to build these big enclosures and he works hard. He's all by himself. I really wish I was closer to help him. Mm. But we are planning the the Monitor Fest. I believe it's May 22nd of 2022. And that'll be in Manuka, Illinois, right kind of near where I'm at. But if for some reason, you know, and I just want to run this, I don't want to step on Brian's toes because I love him. But if for some reason he doesn't want to have it, then I, I would be willing to put it on at my house. Cool. So one way or the other, there'll be a monitor fest and, you know, hopefully it'll be called monitor fest. And, you know, I just got to talk to Brian and keep encouraging him. Ah, dude, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. We'll, we'll make it happen. So, but it's his baby. And, and I really want it for him, you know, cause it's his baby. It's his idea. And, you know, he's a knowledgeable guy. I love him. And I really want it to happen for him. I worry about monitor fest 2023 after the first one right that's always worry about the one that's coming then worry about the one that's after exactly yeah exactly i don't want to steal his thunder so uh, you know i hope he pulls it off at his place because he's got a real nice collection call andrew and be like what the hell you stole carpet fest from me later (laughs) so you know that'll 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 be something i'll bug him about later right on so 
man. Right. Yeah, anytime, man. Dude, you know, I guess awesome. we'll let a couple months go by and then we'll have a round three, man. Yeah, Just we'll, uh, we'll have to come back and then Eric can show you, like, he'll do the video and show you how he is progressed as yes. a monitor and then you can give him a grade. You can give me a grade. Some kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. And you know what? I got to tell you something. I got all these gray hairs. I'm freaking getting old. I'm nervous. I shake and I walk funny and I'm waiting. You got that Zupoxy from me a couple months ago, three months or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't want to bother you, but I'm like, come on, dude, Do show something. me a, show me a, show me a styrofoam sculpture that you're doing something. <laughs> I got to see something. I don't mean to put the pressure on you there, Eric, but you know, <laughs> I'm it's dying like- to see it. It's like one of those things, it, you know, to your point, right? I got to get out of my head, right? Because I have, like, I have this Just idea it. and Just it's like, it. I have to understand that this is going to be an evolution, right? The first right. one is going to be this and then it's going to, you know, I'm going to look at it. And I'm going to go, nah, I can do better, you know? And yeah, then, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, don't worry about it. Just, you know, uh, it's, I look at it as like, uh, I just recently started thinking this way. But I kind of think of myself not so much breeding the monitors, but doing these enclosures. I, I guess it's an art form, you know? Yeah, man. 100%. So art is subjective, right? Isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It's subjective. So if you like it, who cares, who cares what somebody else thinks? I love that. It's true. Yeah, you're right. You, you know, you do it, you put it together, you be proud of it. And, you know, somebody's always going to say, Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the rocks don't go to hell or whatever they say, you know? How about that? <laughs> but, but you know what? Here's what I say. When I'm sitting back in my chair here, spinning around in a circle, looking at all this stuff, I'm happy. Done. Done. So, yeah, man. But, uh, again, I appreciate you guys for having me on the show. I always have a great time with this. And we talked a little earlier, Eric. If we ever do it again, you know I got something up my sleeve. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, uh, um, I just wanted, can I do my rant real quick? Go, Go for it. it, man. Do whatever. Okay, man. Snakes, uh, frogs, toads, monitor lizards, whatever it is. If you got a tadpole, if you got an axolotl, if you got a green tree python, whatever you got, man, join the U.S. ARC, become a member, mm-hmm. pay yeah. your dues, it, contribute where you can and how you can because what we love is in total jeopardy. They're coming up with new rules and laws all the time. So I guess my, my rant here is join the U.S. ARC. That's it. 100%, man. That's a yeah. good rant. I like that rant. It's, uh... All right. <laughs> Even if it takes you eight months to get your shirt, but, you know. Yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? We could talk about that on the next show. I don't care yeah. about the shirt. I just want to help. I just want to, yeah. Shirts. They'll send you a shirt when I build a cage. That's what they say. There you go. That's yeah. what they're waiting for. They're waiting to see you in the Eric's cage. So. I got a chop chop. Yeah, so, dude. Come on. But, uh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. And, Always a pleasure, uh, dude. Yeah. yeah right. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. And again, Eric, if you need any advice or, or pointers on the Zupoxy, let me know. Owen as that little fever that's going on in your head. Oh, no, no, grows <laughs> and, and the cowbell is no longer the prescription. Yeah, Call me, brother. It. I got you on monitor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wore my shirt. But oh, it just God. says, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just slowly, slowly let it happen. All right. I got yeah. you. Yeah. 
Again, yeah. Eric's usually yeah. about three years ahead of me, and then I end up following. Brace it, anyway. it, Owen. Dude, yeah. you you hatched out a Merton's monitor in your house. I don't I understand. Hatch, I didn't hatch Merton's. I hatched uh, mangroves. I did oh, mangroves, mangroves and okay. um, I thought it was Merton's. You had absolutely. Merton. That's that's I great, Owen. That's that's a. That's a quite a good accomplishment with the uh, black throats and the um, indicus. That's that's huge, dude. Yeah, yeah, they were you got it. I just incubated them, but yeah, I well, them. <laughs> you so, did, you did good. So, yeah, cool. All awesome. right, I I guess we will. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just uh, close it out. And- yeah, um, shut it down. You guys all know where to go. Merlia Python Radio. Uh, is it .net again? .com? .com, .net, yeah, both. .net, you, you take it to the same it. spot. Um, you all know where to go for the Facebook pages. Definitely check out the Teespring store and join the Patreon where you can become an inland uh, level and join us for the monthly uh, live stream with me, Riley, Lucas, and Eric. Yes, Eric. There's one thing I do have to throw out there what because uh, we have to promote it because it's new to the network, right? <laughs> it's the Colubrid and Colubroid radio. Yes. We actually have professionals doing Colubrid stuff now, not just me. Yeah. So, um, it's, so uh, it's that's uh, a brand uh, new show to the channel. So how many goddamn shows are there? I now? don't know, like, man. Just 12? Uh, so Jesus many. Who knows? Christ. I can't keep track. <laughs> yeah, I can't either. Dr. Zach um, Loafman <laughs> and Matt Most uh, host that show. Wow. Um, they did a great job. Well. If you're yep. into colubrids or colubroids, if yep. you don't know what a colubroid is, then check you it out. Check out the show because then you'll know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's that. And like I said, the Patreon inland level to join the monthly live stream. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Thank you, guys. God bless. We'll talk yep. soon. All, All right. right. Yep. Bye, Bye now. Bye.